0: OK, so here's a really weird story about 2016. Bill Clinton is struggling to connect with voters on the campaign trail.
1: Now wait a minute, I listen to you, you listen
2: to me. I don't know how you would characterize the gang leaders who got 13-year-old kids hopped up on crack and sent them out onto the street to murder other African-American children. Maybe you: That's thought Bill they were Clinton good
0: going way off script and upsetting black voters by defending his wife's use of the dehumanizing term super predators to describe young, mostly black criminals during the 1990s. Hillary herself has apologized for the term super predator and was stuck in a tight spot when Bill defended it. This is not the way it's supposed to work with Bill Clinton. When this cycle began, people expected to see the Bill Clinton of 2012 who everyone said was essentially the greatest Democratic spokesperson literally of all time.
3: Somebody emailed me after his speech, they said, uh, you need to appoint him uh, secretary of explaining stuff. If you
0: think I'm exaggerating when I say that people thought that Bill Clinton was the best there is, trust me, I'm really not.
1: If Bill Clinton landed on Mars, he would know how to do it with him. Oh yeah, he would know how to reproduce. He would know everything. He'd just instinctively know how to talk to people. Yeah,
0: alien. That's Chris Matthews. We really didn't even need to play that clip. I just personally thought it was maybe the greatest clip I've heard. So Bill Clinton has actually made more headlines on the campaign trail for gaffes than he has for being his wife's secretary of explaining stuff. And this Bill Clinton thing is not unique to Democrats at all. Surrogates everywhere are really bad in 2016. This is No One Knows Anything, the politics podcast from BuzzFeed News. I'm your host, Evan McMarris Santoro. Today we're talking about the weird world of campaign surrogates. What are they for? Why are they gaffing all the time? Do we still need them? We have boxes and boxes full of clips for you today of campaign surrogates and what they sound like on the campaign trail in 2016. We also have a look inside the surrogate process with two of the best communications operatives in the Republican Party. They also happen to be married to each other, which makes for a good conversation. Plus, we'll talk to a voter who started out for one candidate, saw his candidate lose, and had to pick another one. Did endorsements matter to him when he made his choice? Stay tuned and you'll find out. Joining me to help me discuss the world of campaign surrogates and what's gone right and mostly wrong with it this year is uh, my boss, Catherine Miller, the editor of BuzzFeed Politics. She came all the way down from New York to assist. Catherine, welcome to No One Knows Anything.
4: I'm glad to be here.
0: <laughs> well, we haven't even gotten into it yet. Oh, and yeah. look at it already. Folks, this is what this is this this, is what, it's this like. is
4: what it's like to work at BuzzFeed.
0: Except there's a there's like a small kitten meowing that you can't see off camera or off mic, I guess. So what is a campaign surrogate and why do they exist?
4: Campaigns want this. Basically it's a person who has endorsed them, or in the case of Bill Clinton, is married to the candidate Helpful. who goes out and speaks on behalf of this candidate. Bill Clinton would be the example of the most prominent type of person that you'd have doing this. Right. A
3: former
0: president is out there talking every day about why you should Should become president. president. That's pretty Pretty good. good. That's That's, pretty good.
4: It also goes down to the the person who appears on CNN on election night. You may be like, oh, why why is Rosario Dawson, the actress, speaking here or there? Because the campaign wants her to do that. Bernie Sanders campaign wants this actress, to speak on their behalf.
0: Right. Does CNN just know to just call up Rosario Dawson and be like, hey, what do you think about politics? You want to come on and talk about it? No. The Sanders campaign puts her on a list. They send it out. So they range from former president who says, I've been president, this person can be president, to I was in the movie Thelma and Louise, and this person can be president. Yes. So it ranges from all all around there.
4: It's a rich tapestry. There's a lot of times, if you watch, as I once did, CNBC in the mornings,
0: oh my God. Oh my you'll God.
4: see yeah. <laughs> hedge fund managers on CNBC talking up Barack Obama.
0: Is that the show um, Squawk Box? Squawk, Squawk Box. I have to say that I – literally, I have been in airports and things, and this show has been on, and I will admit to listeners that I will say to myself aloud – Squawk box. (laughs) Because it's just so fun to say squawk box. It's true. So sort of the most sought after one of these people, or most common, which is ranging from former president to actor, is the person who just finished running for president and has now stopped their campaign and is now part of your campaign.
4: Failed candidate.
0: Failed candidate.
4: Who's going to try to transfer their support to the other person. And it
0: makes sense, right? They've been in the heat of the campaign They have been out there on the stump firing up voters that you're going to want to come to your side. Unfortunately, these have also been this cycle, at least, some of the worst surrogates on the trail. Yes. Let's give the listeners an example of what we're talking about when we're talking about how this process of the surrogate can go so wrong on... February fourth, it's just it's a couple days after the Iowa caucuses have happened. Rick Santorum didn't work out, but he didn't make any huge errors. He had a lot of support in Iowa. Rubio
4: and, wanted his support.
0: Right. So Marco Rubio gets him to support him. And Rick Santorum sort of debut as the Marco Rubio campaign surrogate is he goes on Morning Joe. Former presidential candidate in the winter. And the he is asked. What seems like a pretty easy chip shot of a question, which is what what do you what do you list as Marco Rubio's top accomplishment that that made you decide to endorse him? What has Marco Rubio done in the Senate? It's
4: a very easy one
0: that should make us want to vote for him.
4: Why Marco Rubio?
1: Why that's
0: Marco basically, Rubio? That's yeah. basically it. You know, uh, here's what I would say about that. I, my
1: my feeling on Marco is someone who has tremendous potential, tremendous gifts. If you look at being a minority in the United States Senate in a year where nothing got four years where nothing got done, I guess it's hard to say their accomplishments. I mean, what you t- tell me what happened during that four
0: years that was accomplishment for
1: anybody? Well, it really
4: isn't know, a wait, fair question it's <laughs> it's not- to ask what the guy you want to be president of the United States. That's has right.
0: Done. It's, yeah, that's right. It's it's really very unfair to ask someone. Show,
4: and I just don't think it's yeah.
1: a fair question to say so you can ask over you the about last you? four years where, where nothing has happened and then blame one person because he didn't get accomplishments done neither well. did President
0: Obama. Now here's the problem for Marco Rubio, right? This was supposed to be a pretty softball moment. He gets an endorsement, boosts his campaign up. Instead, what, we've been like two or three days on this? On
4: this. And it's not like that many people would normally pay attention to such an interview. Except with this, when you screw up like this, then it takes on this whole life of its own and that's basically what's happened with literally everyone in this
0: cycle. <laughs> yeah. So this is sort of the lead-in to what, it, this is the best example of sort of what, ev- what every candidate is now going to have to deal with following <laughs> February 4th, basically. So Catherine and I have gone through the copious BuzzFeed gaff uh, Gaffatron archives. It's a very large archive. We keep it in a bunker in a mountain in Nevada. We found our favorite candidate, surrogate moments where surrogates have come out and their and their job was simply to say something inoffensive about their candidate and push the candidate's message forward. And instead, they become the news for days and days. One of my favorite moments from the campaign trail, it's the real time with Bill Maher show on HBO. It's not a huge audience. It's definitely not a moment. People tune in to see their politics. It
4: airs on Friday night, Friday night. at
0: like 10 o'clock.
4: You have to pay for it.
0: That's right. So Gloria Steinem, the famous feminist writer, goes on to the Bill Maher show and then is asked about Bernie Sanders and young women that support Bernie Sanders. And this is what she did.
1: And when you're young, you're thinking, you know, where are the boys? The boys are with Bernie or, you know. Uh,
0: Ooh. <laughs> now, if I said that.
1: <laughs> no. No, no. Yeah, they for say. Bernie
0: cuz that's where the boys No, are. no. You, but, you, you but, you but it's swap not, me. Come no, on.
1: No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. See what I love
0: about this? I love I love this I love this sound of Bill Maher, like distancing himself. Already. Yeah, it's like it's 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 a crazy idea on several levels and it created again huge fallout. All of a sudden the Clinton campaign are reeling and trying to deal with this quote
4: cuz the next day, Madeleine Albright.
0: And so Madeleine Albright, former secretary of state a uh, very talented politician in her own right. This is sort of in the fallout of this glorious time thing. It's just hard to cook up on the internet. And Malin Albright does an event with Hillary Clinton on February sixth in New Hampshire.
4: Hillary Clinton will always be there for you. And just remember, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help each other. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that cheering, <laughs> that cheering, did not uh, foretell the response no, from that quote. No, yeah, that was Pardon not that. Mm. <laughs> right. Now, Malin Albright says this particular thing all the time. This is like one of I think she. This it's like is,
4: this is one of her on, <laughs> it's, it's like quality. quilted on on
0: like pillows and you such. Get
4: painted on your kitchen
0: wall. It gets tacked it, immediately by supporters of Bernie Sanders. It gets tacked on to the Gloria Sinem quote, and all of a sudden we have the narrative uh, that's backed up by you know polling and such as well that. Hillary Clinton has a huge problem with young women, and I went out to a uh, a Bernie rally the next day in uh, in I think believe Portsmouth, New Hampshire. It was you know far away from you know the New York or Washington media world, and every woman in that room could quote both of those quotes word for word to me. I mean, it really impacted things really badly. So it was just like a you know just a pretty bad fail. Yeah, but it's not just. Hillary Clinton, who, oh, has no, had, no, no. Yeah. who has had celebrities and would-be famous people fail for her.
4: This this is my personal favorite. There is a developing situation in the Democratic Party about whether all the people who love Bernie Sanders will actually come out and support Hillary Clinton in November. Last month, Susan Sarandon went on All In with Chris Hayes, basically to talk about Bernie Sanders overall, and in the course of that interview, said a number of things including this. But I
1: think a lot of people are sorry. I just can't bring myself to, to do that. How about you personally? I don't know. I'm going to see what happens. Really?
0: Really. First, he's like, wait, really? Do you really want to say this? is my favorite thing when reporters do this. Well,
3: you know,
1: Donald, Trump, Donald Trump will bring the revolution immediately. If he gets in, then things will really, you know. Oh, you're explode. saying the, the,
0: the, the Leninist model of tightening yeah. the yeah. The Sanders campaign absolutely does not want to suggest they are making life easier for Donald Trump. And when you have a prominent surrogate saying, "If we can't have Bernie making things better, maybe Trump making things much worse, much more quickly,
4: we'll do it." That's not. That's not helpful.
0: That is not on the Sanders campaign mailings. No. Uh, but I think we have uh, we've discussed this, and and we have we ha- we have run this through our uh, our algorithm, and I think that we agree that the that the sort of best person to exemplify this is Ben Carson. And before we get right into the Ben Carson quotes, which are great, and we have many of them, Ben Carson is one of the most prominent now Trump surrogates that there is. Yes.
4: Last weekend, he was there at the Republican, a big Republican strategy meeting representing Trump. Like he is, he talks with him about the Supreme Court, (laughs) which is interesting, (laughs) and a number of other things. He's Team Trump.
3: I pray that God will save this nation whichever way he sees fit to do it. So if it's Trump, I'll be there. If it's Cruz, I'll be there. Whoever it is,
2: I'll be there. Is there another scenario that I would have preferred? Yes, but that scenario isn't available.
3: He has some major defects. Uh, there's no question about
2: it. Unless you
4: say that you're a trauma molester, he's a liar. Do you want a lawyer for the presidency?
3: Tell me a, a, a
1: politician who doesn't tell lies.
3: Are there better people? Probably.
4: Did you have someone
1: in mind? Uh, I, I don't think that that's a useful place to go, uh, but it, it's an obvious statement, you brought it up. just like I would say, you, if, if you drop a brick off of a building, it's going to fall. People who are very ambitious and who will do whatever it takes right. in order to achieve their goal are people that probably should not be president mm. of the United wow. States. Wow. Even if Donald Trump turns out not to be such a great president, which which I don't think is the case.
2: I think he's going to surround himself with really good people. But, uh, but even if he didn't, we're only looking
0: at four years.
4: It's pretty much the least reassuring case that you could possibly make. It'll be fine. Probably.
0: <sighs> so it's clear that surrogates can be a huge liability. And yet there were many candidates who wanted Ben Carson to join their team after he dropped out. This is weird. Or at least it seems pretty weird to me. Two of the sharpest operatives in Republican politics, Alex and Caitlin Conant, joined me in Washington recently to talk about the surrogate process. They know a lot of what they're talking about. Alex Conant was communications director for Marco Rubio's 2016 campaign. I'm Alex Conant. and I've worked for Marco Rubio for almost five years. And Caitlin was the campaign's surrogate wrangler. Dealing with surrogates day in and day out was her actual job.
2: I'm Caitlin Conan. I was there for three
0: months. <laughs> <laughs> so combined experience over five years. Yeah, right, of experience. exactly. Yeah. But but prior to that, you did a lot of. You've been you've been in politics for a long time. Yeah, I've worked
2: for Senator Rob Portman for four years from Ohio.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're married. We worked together on Tim Plenty's campaign four years ago, which didn't go so well. But we were in December when we were sort of reaching the point where we felt like Marco could really break through. We needed to bring in the heavy hitters. And uh, my boss went out and recruited (laughs) Caitlin, which was flattering and humbling at the
0: same (laughs) time. How does that work to work together in such a, in like a pressure cooker of a presidential campaign?
1: Well,
2: we've done it before, as Alex mentioned. And also we pour everything into these jobs. So for us, it was kind of, how can we not do it together? I obviously thought Marco should have won. I still wish it had worked out differently, Um, but it was also a chance for us to work together and, uh, And have a lot of fun with it.
0: So let me just jump in. The question I have, the number one question I have is, why do we have surrogates in campaigns? Why do people use these surrogate people to talk for them?
1: I I think the short answer is that because you only have one candidate, and the candidate can only be in one place at a time. So so you you have a lot of media markets you want to hit. You have a lot of events you want to hit. And since the candidate can only be in one spot, sometimes you need surrogates to go fill in. To make sure that you're reaching the audiences you need the campaign to reach. I
2: remember Senator Cory Gardner, who was our first senator to endorse Marco. Colorado,
0: um, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And one week I saw him, and he had just, I think, come from California— for a fundraising event for us and then flew to Florida to campaign for us and then was at a debate with me in Greenville. And he's Basically, not was- the
0: guy running for president. He's a guy <laughs> helping the other guy. Exactly. He's not like what a candidate schedule would be like.
2: Exactly. It was very intense and they were we were really, really blessed to have some great guys on board with us.
0: So process-wise, the sort of idea when you have candidates who, so on Monday they're running against you and on Friday they're standing next to your candidate endorsing your candidate and speaking for your candidate. What is happens in the days in between that Monday and that Friday?
1: Well, I think it varies a lot. But somebody like Rick Santorum, for example, who just called up Marco Rubio and said he wanted to support it. Same thing with Bobby Jindal. Bobby Jindal emailed Marco and said, "Hey, I'm on board. Let me know when. Uh, what What do you want me to do?"
0: So it's not like a lot of weird backroom negotiations or something. Like I'll say that I like you if you say that you like my <laughs> yeah. I mean, I favorite. Think,
1: guy. I think if, I
0: think if you gotta negotiate. As, an endorsement like that, you've got,
1: you probably have larger problems than than uh, some endorsements going to help you with.
0: So, yeah, it's why interesting to have you guys in here because Mark Rubio had a fairly traditional surrogate endorsement. You know, you guys didn't have a lot of pitfalls with it. Do you feel like there's 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 anything different nowadays with how this works? Because one of the things that we talked about is the is the potential that someone will go on a Bill Maher at ten o'clock on Friday night and it's preserved forever. Does that make things different when it comes to prepping surrogates or dealing with how they what they're going to say and things like that?
2: I think you always have to be prepared and make sure that people know what questions they're going to get asked, um, make sure that they have everything they need from you, because effectively, they were our clients. Um, but I also think a lot of it depends on who they're endorsing. And I think in some cases, a lot of these folks have just threw their support behind who they think is going to be the nominee.
0: So what happens behind the scenes when one of these surrogate moments uh, goes bad? I'm thinking of... This infamous Morning Joe interview, Rick Santorum goes on. He just, right at the Iowa caucuses, he endorses Marco Rubio and he sort of flops around, doesn't really seem to have an answer for it. What's the process like when there's something that happens? Were you just like, were, like, like Caitlin, were you just staying in the back of the set, like with your, head <laughs> in your hands, or are you just like, Yeah, I was watching just, the
2: like,
0: TV and <laughs> the airplane bottles are opened immediately. You're like, what happens? Did you have wasn't... to call Alex and tell him that it happened?
2: <laughs> I think we all knew it happened at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly it... wasn't the best moment of the campaign, um, but it was a learning moment for us because we made sure to get on the phone with everybody who endorsed us, with everyone who was doing TV, and say, okay, if you get asked about this, here are Marco's accomplishments, here's what he's done in the Senate. Um, and then on top of that, um, Santorum was one of our best surrogates. He did million things for us during the hawaii primary he went out to hawaii for a day oh really oh what what a humongous sacrifice
0: oh what a great guy he went he went out to hawaii for you for a day okay for a day okay fine all right all right Mm -hmm. it's enough time to get a pineapple or whatever yeah yeah.
1: right. no i I mean to to caitlin's point i think being a surrogate is tough because you are out there representing somebody else
0: how does that work do you Get them to say what you want, or or, or sometimes you're just like, look, I, I know what I should say about Marco Rubio, and I'm going to say what I'm going to say.
1: I, well, I think that there's a pretty good rule of thumb that when you're dealing with somebody from Hollywood, they're going to say whatever they want to say,
0: uh-huh. and there's
1: nothing the staff's going to do about it. I mean, just ask the Romney campaign how that went with, with Clint Eastwood at the convention <laughs> in, in, in Tampa. Uh, I think for the most part, when people, when people endorse a candidate and when they offer to be a surrogate for the candidate, they're doing it because they want a, that person to win. And they know that that means staying on message, talking about why that candidate should be elected.
2: And sometimes um, they're put in positions that we wouldn't wish upon anyone. Um, Senator Toomey, for example, had just endorsed us. And then Marco had the worst debate, basically the only bad um, debate that he had the whole cycle. Mm-hmm. And Senator Toomey from Pennsylvania had just endorsed us. And he came to be one of the guys to go and talk with the press after the debate and say why Marco won. Marco clearly had not won that night. It was a very, very awkward situation. <laughs> he had just endorsed two days before.
0: You, you, you say, okay, look, I mean, what did she say? What do you say? Yeah, Can you go I to honestly, everybody, everybody, what that's like?
2: Originally, I told him, if you don't want to do it, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, and he said, no, I will go out there. I will say why Marco had one bad answer and the rest of it. He clearly won the debate. And he went out there and he, I think he talked for 30 minutes to any reporter who came up. Both TV cameras and print reporters. Wow. He brought his son that night, who was, I think, in eighth grade and was just cute as could be, standing there watching his dad.
0: So, is it, I mean, is it all just like, you know, really nice people that just really think hard and, you know, really. Consider what they're doing and and learn about these candidates. I mean, these guys. I mean, is there, are there no stories? Of these, are these people like wanting anything or like asking anything weird to get, to get? I mean, you guys make this sound like this is the cleanest part of politics on earth, and I have a hard time believing that.
2: Well, with us, it was. And, uh-huh. uh, again, we were just fortunate because they actually believed in Marcos, so there were no asks. I mean, if anything, I think people were disappointed that they couldn't do more.
0: I, at the end of the day, I think if you have to buy somebody's support, they're probably not going to be a very good supporter. See, here we brought you in here as his husband-wife team to give us like the real House of Cards. <laughs> stuff I figured you guys were up there figuring it out and look at this look what we get out everybody's just really nice and <laughs> so I, I, I was going to close this by asking um, if we still need the surrogate system and it sounds like pretty clearly we definitely do based on what you guys are saying This is this is a part of politics we're going to have it's necessary still to do this yeah, yeah. absolutely absolutely
2: And there's always going to be hiccups. And, you know, there are hiccups with candidates. There's hiccups with spokespeople. People mess up. We're all human. And I think that's just part of the process. And it's uh, an important piece of the puzzle that allows you to do a lot more.
0: Well, thank you guys very much. I really appreciate this. I think we learned a lot about uh, the kind and wonderful world of presidential (laughs) campaign
2: politics. (laughs) Thanks for having us.
0: Yeah, Thanks, Evan. Thanks for having us. So, Catherine, a good surrogate operation, does it actually result in any votes?
4: You look at somebody like Marco Rubio, a very robust group of people campaigning for him, all in South Carolina, all in Nevada, all of these states. Got nothing for it. The governor of South Carolina campaigned all around the state. Yeah. Rubio lost it.
0: And now all the people who supported Marco Rubio have to pick a new candidate. And it may not matter to them who Marco Rubio actually wants them to pick
3: in a very small little town that is south of myrtle
0: beach i called up ed tarleton a south carolina republican voter who backed rubio and is now figuring out what to do next myrtle
3: Beach is, i
0: mean that's where all the tourists go and i stay away from it <laughs> why is that uh, I, because i'm 80 years old and i don't need to go up there and all that crap <laughs> <laughs> what was it like to have been a marco rubio voter in south carolina then watch him lose, and have to figure out what to do next. Well, I did vote for Rubio in the primary, keeping in mind that we had uh, something like 17 people running at the time. (laughs) And um, I really liked Ben Carson, but I just didn't feel like he was presidential enough to,
2: to go all the way.
0: Did that have any impact on who you support now? I will probably support and puts the word support in parentheses Uh
2: the republican nominee but that's not carved in stone ben carson moving over to trump it didn't flatter me or impact me in any way shape form or fashion
0: did it change your opinion of ben carson at all did it it make you think that maybe he wasn't as good as you thought no I think he's just as good a surgeon as he ever was. (laughs) Ed Tarleton is doing what Ed Tarleton wants to do, not what Marco Rubio wants him to do or Ben Carson or Donald Trump or Reince Priebus or anyone else. So why are we still doing this surrogate thing with all the risks that now go along with it for a candidate running for president today?
4: basically what these people want from these surrogates is for fundraising and for like media that you know if 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 bill clinton comes to campaign for you the local tv station will cover it you know real there will yeah. be real attention to your candidacy i also think that this is basically a holdover from decades past when endorsements mattered a lot more Newspaper endorsements used to be a very big thing, which they still are and they're still touted and all that sort of thing. But it's hard to imagine in the much more broken up media environment, social environment that many people are especially interested in. And no offense to this particular outlet, the Cleveland Plain Dealers endorsement. <laughs> Probably it, already had an opinion going in <laughs> before the Cleveland Plain Dealer ever got involved. Right.
0: You're spending... Months and months and months, if not years and years and years in online conversations with all your friends and family about who you like as these candidates. You're way, way ahead of where we used to be when it comes to thinking about the specifics of who these candidates are, right?
4: Also, any, any of these things, you know, Bernie Sanders is very popular on the Internet. And part of it is you can if you go into YouTube and search Bernie Sanders, because I've done this. The first cool. words that auto populate are amazing speech. <laughs> and it's not any particular speech. It's just a lot of people uploading Bernie Sanders' amazing speech. Oh, that's interesting. Yes.
0: These things, uh, when they go well, they last. They have a lot more of a half-life. So you, yeah. so you don't need somebody new to endorse yes. a guy. You've no. already had that old speech. But on the other hand, that moment on a Bill Maher broadcast, that now just lives on forever, forever and ever. So, whatever, so what, what might have been a minor gaffe by a surrogate in years past is now just an epic fail. Yes. So we talked a lot about why the campaigns want these people to go out there and do this. Why do these people who, you know, they just ran their own campaign, man. They just lost. I'm sure they would rather go home and have a beer or think about something else. Why do these people want to come and do this surrogate thing?
4: If you're good at it, it tends to build a lot of goodwill for you. And so you kind of get into that situation. I mean, part of the reason Chris Christie has spent time Stumping for Donald Trump is presumably that he would be, or and I don't know this, but presumably that he would be say the Attorney General in a Donald Trump administration. Something. There something was plenty. Like
0: that. Th- I mean, it's fair to say there was a, a ton of speculation when Christie came out. Like, oh, okay, this is going to be his VP. So it it raises their profile.
4: It tends not to be just the charitable goodness of everyone's hearts. You know, there's there's something in it for them as well.
0: So here's what we've heard. We've heard a lot of clips that show it's really hard to be a surrogate in 2016. We've heard great insight into how the surrogate process works and why campaigns do it. And we've heard from a voter who really couldn't care less what surrogates do. So, Catherine, my question is, do we know anything?
4: No, we don't.
0: (laughs) Seems like it's got upsides and downsides.
4: It does. It seems like it's had a lot more downsides this year than than ever before.
0: Well, Catherine, thank you for coming in. Thank you for coming all the way down on the train. You have to admit it's worth getting up early in the morning to listen to Ben Carson audio.
4: It always will be.
0: Okay, so here we are. We are running the credits. We're doing a little bit differently this week. Meg is all the way in New York and I am here in Washington, D.C., but we're still going to read the credits together. That's right. So, No One Knows Anything is produced by who, Meg? Uh,
3: it's produced by me. I'm Meg Kramer.
0: Do we have, all the way up there in New York, any editorial oversight?
3: Yes, our editorial oversight comes from Katherine Miller and Jenna Weiss
0: Down here in D.C., you can't really see how it works, but surely there must be some production help.
3: There are some people behind the scenes. We get production help from... Julia Furlan, Eleanor Kagan, and Antonia Sarajito.
0: And I know that there's some really great music, which I think it actually comes from down here.
3: Yep, Ryan Adams composes our music. We also had a little help this week from Tan Lines.
0: Is there somewhere, someplace, people can email us if they want to talk more about campaign surrogates or what they don't know or... I don't know anything just like if they want to drop us a line say hello
3: yeah we would love that our email address is no one knows anything at BuzzFeed.com and I also want to say you know I don't know if you noticed if you listened to this episode and the last one but we talked to a voter both times and if you're a voter and you have some things that you want to say on the podcast drop us a line and uh, maybe we'll call you
0: that sounds pretty good and what about the idea here's my question let's say I'm I'm on iTunes I like the podcast, Meg. What do I do in that instance?
3: Rate us on iTunes. If you like the show, give us a rating. If you don't, um, don't. you don't have to do. You don't have to do anything. That's all. You don't. Don't just don't do it.
0: Seriously, if you don't like it, just pretend it doesn't exist. Just move on with your life.
3: You were never here. We were never here.
0: There's a lot of podcasts. And the other way you can find us is, of course, on Twitter at the handle at no one knows. Which is very exciting, although if you type it in sometimes, it, I, I noticed it popped up like a couple, like a record company or something like that. But, like, don't worry. We see at No One Knows, and we're eager to get your comments there, too. So find us on Twitter.
3: We read your tweets.
0: We read everything, frankly. All right, well. Well,
3: wait, Evan, Evan. Yeah. Uh, is there anyone else, like, responsible for how, how the show happens? Or is it just me and, you know, Jenna, Catherine, all those people? Oh,
0: well, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I am... You know, the host of the show, uh, (laughs) me, Evan McMorris Santoro, uh, White House reporter for BuzzFeed News. Um, Yeah, so I guess all there is to say to everybody is that we're going to be back next week with more things we don't know.